H-Y-Y and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. I'm your host, John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Uh, coming up on this episode of the podcast, we will quickly recap the Phillies and Guardians series from the weekend in Cleveland. The Phillies narrowly avoiding a disastrous weekend by salvaging the win on Sunday. But uh, I wrote a piece for The Good Fight this week that I want to talk about. We're going to get into the Phillies' big five, the big five stars, the free agents, and what their month of July has looked like and 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 really the fact that those guys kind of are the problem. It's nothing earth-shattering, but some of the numbers are eye-opening. And we'll do a lot of trade deadline talk uh, here on this episode of the podcast as well as we are just a little over a week. Actually, it'll probably be exactly a week by the time you listen to this podcast. And uh, we'll talk about this Orioles series that the Phillies are engaged in right now as they're playing the series opener, trailing 2-1 to one in the top of the eighth as we record this. So joining me as they do every week, my good pals Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Justin from Baseball Prospectus and the Dirty Inning on our Hit and Season Patreon and absolutely hammered on our Hit and Season Patreon. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, hi. Uh, probably like 10 years ago, Gene Segura was playing second or shortstop for the Brewers. And um, when Kyle uh, Kyle Kendrick tried to steal second or tried to run to second and mm-hmm. Segura got the ball and dropped it, but hid that he dropped it. And the umpire was tricked and called Kendrick out. And there was like no review process at that point. And in that day, something inside of me died. And I just wow. became so furious in that, and helpless in that <laughs> moment. Um, and I really didn't feel feel uh, feel that way again for a long time. Mm-hmm. Until, until tonight when Eric <laughs> rolled that ball <laughs> under his torso. And everyone just <laughs> sat there waiting for Rob Thompson to do Mickey Mouse ears symbol. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. uh, just just check it out, check the because there's no reason not to. And and uh, yeah, suddenly I was just right back to watching Kyle yeah. Kendrick slide into second, and that ball get loose. And, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really know how to react. That was um, that was crazy. I can't wait to learn why that play was not reviewed by the Phillies. I look forward to the lie that we're told is yes. the reason they didn't review that call. When really, yes. just you know, somebody maybe Rob Thompson curled up on a pile of coats and went to sleep. It's impossible. It's impossible anything else happened. Well, it's a hot and humid night. It's very easy to fall asleep on a night like this. You be, you really just want to do find a nice quiet corner of the dugout, nestle yourself amongst like a a nice burlap bag of balls, maybe somebody drapes a drapes a, a nice big old school um starter uh coat over top of you and you can just you can just nestle in. You don't need to worry about it. I mean, they Rob didn't even play his he played the 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 grapefruit league traveling team here on on monday night so we weren't even yeah, expecting we to were, win I this mean, game anyway we were tuning into a game on like the backfields yeah i yeah. I, I forgot he also fell asleep while he was right in the lineup too i right. guess so, they're just yeah. trying to get chris sanchez some work today you know and then that's that's what this that's what this game was all about a little about. bit of practice it's not like he's giving them these stars that the phillies are paying a lot of money for not like he's you know giving them a chance to win by pitching mm-hmm. the most innings that he has th- this season yet. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah, we're having a good time. As you can see, we're having a good time here on this Monday night uh, in the middle of a hot and humid July evening watching Phillies baseball. That of course, voice you heard was Liz Rocher, of course, from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. And it is, folks, Elizabeth's 40th birthday on Tuesday. Let's give it up for Elizabeth Rocher. She's about to enter the best decade of her life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday, Liz. I mean, I as, as someone in their 40s, I can tell you by experience, it is a fine decade. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed my 30s quite a lot. I did a lot. I saw a lot. I was happy and sad and uh, looked back at my 20s when the Phillies were mostly good. Uh, mm-hmm. and spent most of this <laughs> decade with them being crappy, but uh, doing nothing but writing about them and talking about them. Uh, so yeah, it seems appropriate. I'm spending my last, the last night of my thirties watching them blow this Christopher Sanchez start. How many Chris Sanchez starts has this team failed to take advantage of? He, I don't know what his run support is. I'll have to look that up tomorrow, but it can't be good. He, they, he seems to, every time he pitches well, they lose. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. (laughs) I mean, Uh, when he's he's pitching, it's like this. Yeah, it's like they don't want to win. It's not even like they lose. It's just like, yeah, oh, nah, we can't, we can't, do it. we can't, we can't make that Wyatt, stand up. Sorry, I had to yell at my son. He's outside. <laughs> oh no! Swinging on the swings in the pitch blackness outside, and I needed to get him in the house. I didn't realize he was out there. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> just look up, and your son was outside. Yeah, One he's time- outside. One time Aviva looked out that was like cleaning and looked up and saw through the window that our cat was like out <laughs> outside the window looking back at her. She was like, oh, that's not supposed to That shouldn't happen. be. That shouldn't be. Why is yeah. that? Why? Yeah. No, get, get, it's it's nine o'clock. It's eight forty five. Let's get inside. Yeah, they've they've All lost right. they've lost four of Chris Sanchez's last six starts. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> as well as he's pitched, that's nuts. He's gone at least five innings in five of those six starts. Um so, yeah, he has been doing a fifth starter's job of giving them a chance to win in a part of the rotation where they're not getting dominant pitching. He's yep. he's he's holding up his end of the bargain. The Phillies offense, you know, when it's comprised of the 2016 uh, Orioles <laughs> spring training bench is, yeah, uh, yeah not going to not going to help you out a whole lot at the plate. Josh Harrison is batting sixth in this game. Look, <laughs> what I, is I'm he even for- still doing here? I'm sorry. Oh, that's a what good is question. he even still doing here? I mean, I would. There's I, I, no reason. I don't. I no longer believe Scott Kingery is a major part of this team. But you can't tell me that you can't get Josh Harrison off this team and get the same exact production from Scott Kingery and place him on the 40-man roster and at least maybe give you something with a little bit of up. So just something different. I can't. I can't take anymore. Josh Harrison swinging at first ball pitches that are like eight inches off the strike zone, hitting ground balls to second base when you're down by a run like that. What? What do you? You don't. You haven't earned that yet, man. Where you can swing at that kind of a pitch on the on the first pitch. And I have no problem with giving some guys days off here and there. You know, you can't have these veterans playing every single day. You got to give them days off. It's the it's the it's the day after a road trip. So you come back, you want to give a couple of these guys a day off after travel. That's fine. I I get that. But man, Josh Harrison can't be your number 6 hitter. It just it just can't be. So and, and that's part of the issue here. But but the other part of the issue is even when these guys are at like when the lineup is optimized, this team is not hitting. And that's what that was the big problem this weekend in Cleveland as the Phillies lost two out of three to the Guardians. And I, I gotta I gotta share a Twitter interaction that I had with with folks because this this blew my mind. 
most of you listening to the podcast know that back in the day, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I worked as a producer for, for WIP. And the, ho- the show that I did every Thursday and Friday, I did the Mike Missanelli and Howard Eskin show. And so I was the producer, I was the call screener, and I got to work with those guys for, for a couple of years there. And I, re- I enjoyed working with those guys. I, have a, I had a good relationship with them most of the time. Um, they're volatile personalities, and that just kind of goes along with it. I got used to that, and that's fine. But I tweeted something on Friday. Because I think, like most Phillies fans, we're frustrated by this team. They get really, really hot. They get to 10 games over 500. And then you got this nice schedule in front of you where you're playing really some weak central division teams than the Brewers and the Guardians. And the offense that is filled with these five high-priced free agents that you went on and got, none of them are hitting. And I'm going to run some numbers by you in just a second. And they're flailing, and they're losing, and it's frustrating. You're investing three hours a night into this team. We're actually with the... Pitch clock now, two and a half hours of your night, of every night watching this team. And and I tweeted during the Cleveland series, the Phillies really just don't let you get to a point where you feel really good about them. They're such a tease. I thought that was a pretty innocuous comment, right? I'm not I'm not throwing fireballs from the clock tower. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not here to try and blow this team up. Not like I did it when I was yelling about the, the Cubs series at the end of last year. Of all people, Mike Missinelli. Tweets at me in response. A man who spent 30 years <laughs> oh on sports talk radio going out of his way, as was his job, which I have no problem with, getting people riled up about sports, finding ways to get people interested and engaged and oftentimes angry about sports. Tweets at me saying, come on, man. They're a playoff team. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> First, first of all, don't Mike tell Cicinelli, me to relax on Twitter. Last don't scene, tell me that. Last scene dumping piping hot coffee in his crotch. <laughs> telling people to calm down, you know? Telling me to calm down. First of all, the tweet, plenty calm. Not fire this guy. They never. I have never once said Trey Turner's contract was a mistake. I never once said they need to trade JT Realmuto, which of course you can't do because you have to live in the real world. You're not going to trade these high-priced veterans. You don't want to do that. I mean, that's just silly. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying this team, this Phillies team that we love and that we've watched, they take you on so many ups and downs just as you think they're really, they're really going to start to hit their stride. They stumble. They pull way back. They make you start to doubt again that was my point and of course he knows that and I, and I again it just it boggles my mind like if some other person had tweeted that to me i wouldn't have thought twice about it but uh, for a guy who spent three decades in the city doing sports talk radio where your whole job is to get people fired up about the teams they cover to tell to tell me to relax about what i'm seeing like you can't tell me that the feelings of frustration that Phillies fans have are not justified they're not guaranteed the playoffs i do think they'll make it but this has been a frustrating team to watch. They've been making people upset, and it's vi- it's it's viable. It's valid. You've got these five huge contracts, these five huge offensive stars, four of whom are massively underperforming this year. And the fifth, Bryce Harper, is doing everything but hit home runs. You can take that. I I'm kind of not lumping Harper in with the other five, but my goodness, this team is hard to love right now. And so I'm I just that that interaction blew my mind. And other people tweeted and Miss and I was saying the same thing to them. Relax, they're a playoff team. Relax, they're a playoff team. I just I Liz just I I don't know which one of you wants to take that first, but I I say that as a frustrated fan watching this team. Well, maybe he's rebranding. 
You know, he also, <laughs> into a, what? A day, well, a day ago, he tweeted a picture of his dogs and said, "Hanging with dogs on a late Sunday afternoon, <laughs> nothing is better." And I love he, a dog tweet. That's he fine. Fo- Good. He followed it with another tweet that was just pretty much the same picture of his dogs, but clearly several seconds later, and there mm. was no there was no text accompanying this picture. <laughs> okay. So what I'm saying is maybe he's just he's just cultivating a chill vibe in a you know showing off how how well he can use social media and Twitter. Clearly got the hang of it, you know, uh, and, and I yeah, just putting a new version of himself out there. He's like, hey, this isn't this isn't the Mike Missinelli of old. All right. Whipping people into a frenzy, uh, mopping coffee off of his crotch <laughs> on the air like this is a man who has found a new gear and that gear is neutral. And yeah, I don't even think it's not even like he's rolling slowly out of control down a hill. He's just he's just he's just there. He's just existing, man. He's just seeing this team and he's seeing them struggle. And he is just you know what? It's not worth it, guys. As Mike Missanelli. Listen to Mike Missanelli, everyone. The voice of reason. (laughs) Longtime voice of reason. Do we need to commit you? (laughs) Send you away. (laughs) I just I, I, I and my. I just I, I struggle to to understand it, and I know and I know if Mike doesn't I'm sure Lit doesn't listen to this podcast. He you know he has his own. Podcast, who knows but, what he does now? But He's who a knows, completely different know, person. Maybe yeah. maybe that's true. But I just I know the reaction is going to be if if he hears it says something. Like, hey, you know, uh, really glad you guys are able to use me for your for for content and like kind of demean the podcast. Like I know that's all coming if if he hears. And I, I okay, I don't care. I'm fine with that. But I guarantee you also, he has no memory of me as his producer. I, I'm almost <laughs> sure of it. No memory whatsoever. I'm sure, and it was a long time ago. I'm sure I was one of dozens of producers that he's that he's had over the course of over the course of his time. And and so that's fine. I mean, I I, I get that, you know, but I just I just thought it was a, a ridiculous a ridiculous position to have when when you when you watch this team every night. Like there's just there's no way you can wrap your mind around the the game on Friday where they lost six to five, where they leave the bases loaded. I mean, they had the bases loaded three different times in that game and scored one run on a balk. And that was the only run they scored on those three different bases loaded opportunities. They get down six to one. And then that's when they decide JT decides to hit a two run home run or whatever it was at that point where it was just too late. Then they lose one nothing on Saturday, getting only two hits in the entire game, totally wasting a phenomenal Zach Wheeler start. And then in the game on Sunday, they won that game, but didn't look great. They scored the go-ahead run because Cleveland lets a fly ball drop in the infield. Oh, and I forgot to mention in the game on Saturday, the only run the Guardians got was because Bryson Stott, Nick Castellanos, and Brandon Marsh couldn't decide who was going to catch a lazy fly ball to shallow right center field. That was so cool. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Oh man. Anyway, this team this team has me in my in, in my feels and it's just <laughs> and I don't know how you can watch this team and be engaged in this team and not feel the same way. You are justified in your feelings. We're at that point in the season where we're tired of everyone. This happens every year. Whether, you know, they tend to sometimes they take a dip in August. Everyone likes to take a vacation in August. But no matter what, this is usually the time where we start getting really annoyed with everybody, no matter yeah. what it is they do, because it's been months and months and they've been inconsistent and people aren't performing. You know, we're entitled to feel this way. That being said, we need to talk a little bit about Mike Missinelli's Twitter feed. <laughs> 
Okay. Now I haven't done a deep dive on Mike's Twitter feed. What okay. are you what are you seeing? He does not tweet about the Phillies very often, but he tweets very often. Mm-hmm. He tweets a lot. He tweets a lot about politics. Okay. I'm not convinced he's even watching them. I think he's just he's just stirring up because he can and he sees tweets and he thinks he just wants to respond because I think all he does for most of the day is tweet. Dude, look, he has, there's a lot, he's tweeting a lot. He's replying to a lot of people. It's, it's alarming the amount of time he spends doing this and maybe not watching the Phillies or tweeting about them in any way. He tweets more about the Sixers. But if you weren't watching the Phillies like one summer and you had no idea what they were doing, but you were familiar with the team and its history, why would your assumption be that they're a playoff team? Because (laughs) he remembers last year. He remembers last year and he knows what they added and he can sort of vaguely see like the shape of them in the distance. Oh, my God. Imagine someone waking up from like a coma. And have you having to explain to them that, like, yeah, the Phillies have um, have uh, JT Romuto and Bryce Harper, and they just signed uh, Trey Turner this year, and just being like, oh yeah, so that should that's fine, that should be great, that's fine. Like, how's Trey Turner doing? And you have to be the one to be like, oh man, oh by the way, <laughs> oh, like so bad. <laughs> Mike like, Cicinelli, if you disagree with me, let me tell you, you were allowed thought- to say it. To prove it. Prove it. We thought he was back like six weeks ago, but it turns out that was just like a fun weekend. It's uh, yeah, it's a total bummer to have Trey Turner on your team, apparently. Yeah, I got some stats on on Trey Turner coming up here in just a few minutes, but let let me let me step away from from the precipice here for for just a minute, and let's talk about the the one really big positive that came out of the Guardian series, and that is Bryce Harper and his play defensively at first base. What a phenomenal debut he had in the game on Friday and the game on Sunday defensively at first base. I, for one, because they kept pushing it back, I was really starting to doubt that it was going to happen, that I it just sort of felt to me that Harper wasn't feeling comfortable about the idea that maybe they were getting cold feet about it. They were getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. I wasn't sure, you know, how much longer they could do that, but he looked phenomenal defensively at first base and I think even just with these two games it has opened up the the trade field for Dave Dombrowski to go out and get the outfielder that he had talked about getting if they felt good about Harper at first base and Liz I mean that got catch into the into the uh, the 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 well you know the dugout well or whatever that thing is called the camera well that's what it is you know when when he fell over in like the second inning of the game on Friday terrifying Um, I mean, terrifying, but still terrifying, but no doubt about it. Once he like he goes all out, what you know, no matter what he does. So Mm -hmm. seeing him just go for it was encouraging and seeing him get up and not harm himself was even better. Yeah, Yeah, he he had a moment before he dove in there, uh, which was really reminiscent (laughs) of a Shane Victorino catch, too, by the way, (laughs) just to give you the idea of what kind of player with what kind of mindset makes a play like that and uh <laughs> harper went over and yeah there was a moment before he jumped where he, he was clearly just he checked with himself and he was like oh, i'm not afraid to die and he <laughs> leapt right over that fence and you know there's a version of that where he just breaks into a million pieces when the guy who got tommy john and came back irresponsibly early 
goes elbow first into a camera well. Fortunately, yeah. it wasn't the elbow. It was the question. other elbow. Yeah, but, thank goodness. I noticed that too, by the way. Yeah. But in the moment, all you're seeing is an elbow, and it's Bryce Harper's elbow, and it's plummeting. And you're like, how is that possible? He was on the <laughs> earth just moments ago. Uh, but yeah, there were uh, there were plenty of examples of, of him being a, you know, like I've called him before, liquid baseball, where he just fills whatever space you put him into. And yeah, I think it was it, it was it was nice to be able to think of this as a productive development in a weekend that felt anything but because even when they managed to win a game, it was just uh, you sat down and watched the highlights and were like, oh, oh, boy, that was they yeah. are not back. Like no. that was that was a uh, that was a zig instead of a zag. And that was the other team not coming through with a sweep. The Phillies did not really take that game by the horns by any no. stretch <laughs> no it was nice to see the offense put some runs on the board in the in the 10th inning but then they i mean it, just, it looked like they were going to give it away huge shout out to junior Marte, who came in with the bases loaded nobody out a run in the phillies leading by three but he comes in and gets strikeout strikeout and what was it pop out or whatever it was or strikeout he got three straight outs oh no it was like ground out pop out whatever it was i don't i don't remember it doesn't matter Three straight outs with the bases loaded in order to get out of that jam with the winning run at the plate, three straight hitters. And it was Cleveland's best hitters to to, to save that win, his best performance of the season. I still don't trust him, but that was certainly a big-time moment for for Junior Marte after Craig Kimbrell blew his first save of the season uh, with that uh, ninth-inning home run to, uh, to tie things up. And you can't get mad at Craig Kimbrell. I mean... You're going to give up a home run every once in a while. You know, it's you're not. Um, Brad Lidge's perfect season was amazing for a reason. You know, you're going to have some bad luck here and there. It was the Phillies' seventh blown save of the season, by the way. They've the last. It was the seventh blown save in a row. The Phillies have actually come back to win, which we've talked about that stat before. Just pretty incredible that um, that that happened again. Um, and and thankfully for the Phillies, it seemed like every other National League wildcard team except the Reds had a horrible weekend. The Giants were swept by the Washington Nationals. Hello. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> the Diamondbacks were swept by the Reds, uh, and the Marlins lost two out of three to the Rockies. So the Phillies came into the series against Baltimore just a half a game uh, out of the wild card and really just one game from the top spot. All these teams are within one game of each other. Five teams for three spots all within one game. They're essentially all tied. You know, I mean, it's just five. It's a free-for-all, these five five teams for three spots here for the, for the wild card. So that at least the Phillies didn't get buried by playing poorly uh, over the last week or so. But we got to get into the Big Five. You know, the Phillies college basketball scene has had the Big Five for forever. We really, you know, the, the Phillies Big Five are the Big Five free agents that they've signed over these last few years. You've got uh, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, JT Realmuto. JT Realmuto, they got in a trade, but then re-signed as a free agent. Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner. These big money guys they brought in to be the heartbeat of this team's offense. And they have been the problem for this team this year. It's not that the daycare have gone above and beyond what we were expecting of them this season. But it is these five stars that have underperformed. Harper less so than the other four, when you consider Harper has had to learn a new position defensively, coming back from Tommy John surgery two months early, and the rest of his, his, his stats outside of his home runs are all still very, very good. But when your cleanup hitter has four home runs on the season, that can be a problem too. So I'm not killing Bryce Harper of all these guys gets absolved the most. But for Castellanos, who has hit the skids here in July, uh, JT Realmuto, Trey Turner, and Kyle Schwarber, it's it's been ugly. Um, 
in the month of July, Kyle Schwarber has a 190 batting average, a weighted runs created of 76, striking out 30% of the time. Trey Turner, 247 batting average in July, 293 on base, weighted runs created of 89. Nick Castellanos, 173 batting average in the month of July with a 195 on base percentage. JT Realmuto, 246 in July with a 302 on base percentage, weighted runs created of 109, which I'm not sure how he's an above average offensive player here in the month of July with that slash line. It's just, it, the, the numbers are awful. I wrote a story for The Good Fight. If you want to have more numbers at your disposal that, that will really make things stand out, I'll give you just a couple more. Since May 19th, May 19th, JT Realmuto is hitting 198 with a 281 on base percentage. And I will say this, I mentioned Gene Segura a couple weeks ago on the podcast. We thought we were getting a big upgrade offensively from Gene Segura to Trey Turner. We were counting on that, right? Trey Turner coming into the game on Monday had played 98 games this year. Gene Segura last year for the Phillies because of injury played 98 games. I'm going to compare their stats. Gene Segura hit 277. Trey Turner's at 249. Gene Segura had an on-base percentage of 336. Trey Turner's is 301. Gene Segura has a slugging percentage of 387. Trey's is a little better at 390. But OPS, Gene Segura, 723. Not good. Trey Turner, 692. Not gooder. OPS plus for Gene Segura last year, 106. OPS plus for Trey Turner, 89. Gene Segura last year was worth 1.8 wins above replacement. Trey Turner's been worth 1.3. So I am not saying the Phillies should have kept Gene Segura because Segura has been brutal this year for the Marlins. But this puts into context the struggles that Trey Turner has had this year. He's been worse than Gene Segura was last year. And so my question to you, Justin, is do you think Trey Turner will figure it out this season or are we looking at a 2022 Nick Castellanos scenario? Uh, well, at this point, it's not even a baseball issue anymore, right? Like, we're, this is this is something beyond that. It's not like there's a strategist or a baseball lifer who could approach Trey Turner and be like, what you're doing wrong is this. Like, if that could have happened, it would have happened by now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this has got to be something else, something something that's only Trey Turner is going to be able to fix. And if we're, if, if we're really stuck in another only way out is through moment, then, mm -hmm. yeah, I could. I, 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 we're in the second half, man, and he's still not here. So I, that's just gotta. I'm, I'm willing to, to say this is a, a year long experience. I yeah. think it's insane. I think it's going to make people <laughs> um, absolutely uh, uh, lose their minds about free agents coming to Philadelphia and start marking in a, uh, a, a, a first year that is completely lost. And I think people will just start using that as like a new curse because how does that happen twice? Uh, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the really crazy part. These things have nothing to do with each other. It's not like they just, it's not like you like, got a, a yip soaked towel left by Alec Bohm somewhere. And like, suddenly he can't play baseball anymore. And it's the same towel Nick Castellanos touched. Like this isn't, this isn't biological. I don't know how, like, I just don't get it. Like just yeah. do, do what you were just doing. It's not even like last year, the world baseball classic. He was playing like a, a unbelievable MVP and yeah. then it was just gone. So yeah, this is this is beyond baseball. This is psychological or, or something, some some other level that that uh, yeah, it just it needs to be addressed if he's going to resemble anything like the baseball player he was signed to be. Yeah, Liz, I'll ask you the same question because it did. I mean, it it's just 
they keep saying his swing looks better, but you, you he gets up, and especially when he gets up with runners in scoring position, it's it's a, that's like the last guy you want up there right now. 671 OPS with runners in scoring position this year. He's striking out 27% of his plate appearances with runners in scoring position. He is, is he, is he the last guy you'd want to see up at the plate with the game on the line right now? I mean, I, I ask that honestly, because I'm, I'm really struggling to think of someone I would a regular an everyday regular that I would want to see up there any less than Trey Turner right now. I mean, I can't disagree right now. He's bad. I mean, I, he got maybe real Muto. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know what? It sucks that there's more than one answer to that. Yeah. We should, we, there should be one answer and it should not be one of the guys that we're being forced to talk about here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to see him up. I don't want to see real Muto up, but right now, like Trey Turner got thrown out on Monday night. He got, mm -hmm. he, he didn't get thrown out. He, well, he got ejected. He got kicked out of the game. He yeah. got kicked out of the game. He was 0 for 3. I think he had, one error, maybe two, two errors, something like that. It was. Oh, like tonight. It, it, it was a, no, that is tonight. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm she's sorry. talking about. Oh, yeah, my yes. bad, my bad. Monday meaning listening. tonight. Yes. yes, she timestamped it for people who might be listening on another night. Yes, well, well yeah. for everybody who'll be listening tomorrow, probably. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Which is yes. today for all of you. <laughs> is everyone? Wait confused? a minute. Yeah, this is like we're in the Spider Verse now. I'm not sure what's happening. Thanks, I'm fully Justin. caught up. I totally understand everything that's going on. So, <laughs> but he. It was a brutal night, and, you know, he really didn't do anything that was beyond the pale. He asked the umpire, who had just uh, uh, a, a called strike three that mm -hmm. was, I think, definitely not in the zone, but I'm not an umpire, I guess. He asked where it was, and he threw him out. I don't think he said anything terrible, but because his first, his first response was, for what? Yeah. Like he's yeah. not it's he's not asking that sarcastically, I don't believe. So um yeah, it, it it was actually a it was a relief and a blessing. You know, actually as I'm as I'm looking at the game now, I have it on next to me. The Phillies have tied it up. Mhm. Mm Bryce Harper is a is a key player in this. He Yeah is making himself I just to go back to Harper for a second he's making himself valuable in ways that uh, I don't think we imagined yeah the power isn't there but he's still a good baseball player a player who looks into the void of possible you know enfeeblement and says I'm going that's the guy that you're paying this much money a year that's yeah. why you're paying him and so yeah. I I absolve him of all of this I, he's being productive, and he's helping. Yeah. Dusty that, Wathen, same cannot be said of Trey Turner right now. Dusty Wathen would have had to throw himself into Harper's legs to stop him there. And even oh, then, no. he, he might have just gotten chewed up like a wheat thresher if yep. he had yeah. even tried. Yeah. Harper yeah, was going to try to score home. on that play no matter what. Yeah, and that that's, you know, then Harper does that. He gets thrown out on the bases because he gets aggressive. And He did not he, care, by the way. No. He popped up and screamed in triumph. At the at, <laughs> at everybody at home plate, he didn't care. It was he, it was glorious, to be honest. He had he's had a weird week. Um, mm -hmm. I know he's been sick, but obviously the Hobie Milner at bat we've talked about, and uh, he drove in a run uh, in the game on Sunday with a dribbler up the first baseline that he thought was foul and never ran out of the batter's box. But Kyle Schwarber 
scored on the play because umpires called it a fair ball. Uh, Bryce, they, they're throwing the ball. The Guardians were throwing the ball around the infield a little bit and kind of got away. Harper, if he'd run, he might have gotten to first base, but he also thought it was foul and was just kind of standing around. Well, there's he, nothing. If you think it's foul, yeah. it's not yeah. like you, you You're hit not a run. weak grounder. Like he right. runs right. out pretty much yeah. everything. He, and he certainly did tonight if for any reason because of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been I'm just saying it's been a weird week. He's had a weird yeah, week and not necessarily it's just been been a little bit a little bit bizarre. Um and, and I think, you know, we we talk, we look at this offense and and we we know that you know, people can yell at Kevin Long, the hitting coach and all that. There there's I mean Kevin, I don't know what what the hitting coach can do. And it was kind of the same way with Milt Thompson and Greg Gross when the Phillies stars, when when Ryan Howard and Chase Utley and Rollins Victorino would slump, because that definitely did happen during that glory run. We forget about that. But 2010 and 2011, they were not great offensive years for those teams. They they struggled for long stretches, just like this 2023 team does and like the 22 team did last year. But there's not a whole lot you can do with these veterans other than maybe move them down the lineup. Not so that you're like reconstructing the lineup to make guys a bat and this guy. But if guys are really struggling, you don't want them to get more at bats than the guys who are doing better. And it might behoove Rob Thompson to shake things up at the top of the lineup, just so Kyle Schwarber is not getting the most plate appearances of anybody else on the team for a little while. And so Trey Turner isn't getting the most plate appearances. I, I would rather see Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh get some of those extra plate appearances simply because they're having better at bats than those guys are. But it also... It also makes you realize this team's biggest need at the trade deadline, and we are a week away from the trade deadline, is getting an outfield bat. Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported that the Phillies want Tommy Pham from the Mets, um, which, again, if just depending on what you think of Bob Nightingale, that might possibly mean the Phillies want no part of Tommy Pham. Yeah, I'm glad um, he was the one that said that. Honestly. Thank God. <laughs> I'm, I don't think there's any any one of us that are enamored with Tommy Pham. I know he's having a good season for the Mets. 827 OPS, 9 homers, 1.7 wins above yeah. replacement. How many 30 to 35-year-old guys do you want to see come here and not hit? How from many? the Mets specifically, because yeah. every time the Phillies have acquired a Mets player like in the last decade, really, except for Zach Wheeler, they've been awful. Remember, is Drubal Cabrera? Yeah, I do. The go, I just it still gives me the shivers. Angry, Vi- yeah. still to this day, I'm yep. violently angry about him joining the team because he was just stinky, stinky. Ugh. Yeah, and I don't know that he's the best dude in the world. No. I know he got into a fight with Jock Peterson over a fantasy football disagreement a couple oh, of years ago, and that. On. That could so very well have stupid. been just as much Jock Peterson too, but I know he we've gotten the, he was I think he was stabbed outside of a nightclub at some point in the last couple of years. Yes, I do believe that's true. And and last year after joining the Reds as a free agent, he he said that he was only concerned with getting his stats, uh, something along the line of I got to get mine uh, in order to get another big free agent contract the next year. Which all right, so again, the Phillies know this stuff too. And I would think if Bob Nightingale's to be believed, they know it and they still love him. I just, I don't even, I don't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually don't even believe that that is I, I don't, I don't yeah. buy it a whole lot either. Um, but so I guess I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I listed, I, I have a list of, of possibilities for, for outfielders that they could trade for. Um, and let me run down the list. I think obviously Juan Soto would be the, the dream get. Of course, it would probably cost you, you they with Andrew Painter looking like he's going to be out for a year and a half, they might not have 
the prospects to do it now. It would probably would have required trading away Andrew Painter. Maybe not. Maybe Mick Abel's enough, but I don't know. Cody Bellinger seems to be the guy that everybody is really enamored with. He's the lone left-hander on the team on, on, among the guys I'm going to mention. Has a, a 918 OPS that's just beneath Juan Soto. 14 homers. He plays good defense. Um... 2.8 wins above replacement. And then there's some other guys. Brent Rooker is a guy who plays for the A's. We saw him a little bit when we were in Oakland. 800 OPS, 16 homers. Doesn't play great defense out there. He's been worth one win above replacement, but a decent pop from the right side. And then you're looking at guys like uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who has really struggled with the Mariners this year. 296 OBP from him. Um, 16 homers. <laughs> stop, but Stop saying who has really struggled on your <laughs> list of people the Phillies want to put on their baseball team. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. I, there, there, well, I say all this because there are not a lot of like people are I'm running down different names. I go, the Phillies need somebody with some pop. There's nobody out there that's really like that other than Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger. And even Bellinger's not like a homer hitting guy. Like he'll hit you one every now and then. Um, but, isn't, you know, Hunter isn't, Red. Isn't Bellinger kind of most famous for being the like lights out, incredible MVP of the Dodgers and then falling off a cliff and not yes. being that player again for the rest of his career? Okay. Correct. Cool. Cool. Correct. But he, I think he dealt with some back injuries. And so there was, I think, an issue there um, that maybe he's gotten past that. I don't I don't know. Um, but he's definitely having a renaissance season with Chicago. He seems to be the guy that Philly fans really like. I don't think people are enamored with Hunter Renfro and Randall Grichik and, and some of these other guys. Um, I don't know. Which, which of do, do those guys, do any of those guys interest you at all? Like, I mean, it's it's Cody Bellinger and, and pretty much nobody else i don't know is that is that accurate essentially yeah i mean it's it's just i said uh, the other day that i don't think the thing the phillies are going to do is something anyone's really thought of yet or submitted yet i think that they're just down on that level where there's more guys available for what they want to do because they're not trying to make a big move like a huge mm-hmm. huge move I, i'm thinking medium at at, at most uh, and, and that's really what that, that should be enough. It's you know, God only knows if it will be based on how underperforming this team has defined itself to be. But yeah, I, I feel like uh, somebody on Bellinger's level is about the height of the kind of move they would make. Um, and like we were saying, you know, Harper playing first kind of clears up exactly what move like what what their strategy will be or will likely be mm-hmm. at the trade deadline but uh yeah as far as who it is i think you're yeah i, I think you're looking at the same level of, of really how they addressed it last year with, where they brought in people that no one had really uh linked them to for a long time at least and uh who didn't have the biggest highest profiles they were just people dave dombrowski targeted because he thought they, they could help and they wouldn't cost the philly they were people the phillies were going to be able to trade for so yeah, I feel like something's coming, but I don't. I don't think it's going to be the massive deal that we've cooked up in the Juan Soto fantasy chats. Yeah, no, I and I think you know we could talk about different proposals and packages that could potentially get Juan Soto. But first of all, I don't think the Padres are going to trade him. Uh, that's that's the first thing. And Liz, second of all, I don't. I really do think it would have got you would have needed Andrew Painter to get that deal done because he's not a rental. You would have had him for next year too, and that kind of guy doesn't come cheap, you know. So um, Mick Abel's pitched well of late. Maybe you could do something around Mick Abel. I think Cody Bellinger is a more reasonable get. I'm not convinced the Cubs are going to trade Cody Bellinger. I, I'm seeing some stuff. Maybe you know, maybe they extend Cody Bellinger given the fact that he he, he has played so well this year. Let us all not fall for these tricks. 
you know, I, I I don't know if the if the Padres are going to trade Soto, but I feel confident that if the Cubs are offered enough lottery tickets, they'll they'll trade Bellinger. Mm-hmm. I the, anything about them thinking, oh well, we might we're not going to trade, we might extend him. That's just people are just trying to drive up the price. Just remember that is what this is about. These a lot of these sources are agents trying to you know and yes. teams trying to like let's let us evaluate things on a level of do they make sense as opposed to what does this seem realistic from a, you know does this really seem like something the cubs would do right now you know you need to judge it on a on a sensible yeah. basis as opposed to what is the agent of Cody Bellinger or the Cubs trying to say so they get better offers? I, I and, and I get that you're right, and I, I do think I, I think I do think Cody Bellinger will get dealt. I, I think that's that's something mm-hmm. that because they could always if they like him they could resign him in the off season. You know, I mean, yeah. there's there's no there, there's nothing against that. Exactly, um, they're not. You know, do we see them really going anywhere? I I really don't. They're not a no. very good team. No, and I think there's there has to be some some realism there. So I would I certainly have come around on on wanting Cody Bellinger. The, uh, the of all the right-handers there that uh, that could interest me. I, I wonder if Teoscar Hernandez, who had who has been very good when he was with the Blue Jays the the previous few seasons, whether he's just having trouble in Seattle. It's a weird, a tough place to hit, tough place to play. Sometimes you're kind of pretty far away from everything. He might do better with a with a, a change of scenery. He does have 16 home runs and 55 RBIs. So even though he's not getting on base, uh, he's driving in a lot of runs. But uh, again, not a high batting average, high on base guy. The Phillies seem to have a lot of those different guys on the team. Brent Rooker is kind of interesting with an 800 OPS and 16 home runs. I just, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure what that would cost. Um, I don't know that you want him to be your long-term solution in in left field, but there's just not, outside of Juan Soto and Cody, Cody Bellinger, the rest of the options there are not awesome. Now, they wouldn't cost you much probably, but they're not phenomenal. So... I, you know, I, I think you're right, Justin. And I hope you're right in that there's another name out there that we're not thinking about. You know, maybe there's a young player like a Brandon Marsh type guy who no, none of us were talking about at the trade deadline last year that he is identified to think maybe we can get something more out of this guy than he's given the team that he's currently with. And that team might be souring on that young player or have another position player they want to bring in. Um, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting. I did want to play uh, one trade proposal uh, for everybody that got sent into us by uh, by our listeners. And again, for the midweek podcast, I want everybody if you've got a trade proposal, pretend I'm Dave Dombrowski and um, and you be the GM of the other team and uh, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to hit and season at billypen.com. Uh, it's super easy. Just give me a trade proposal and we'll talk about it. Uh, Thomas Smith sent in this trade proposal for us to consider from the Mets. Hey, Dave, it's Billy Epler from the Mets. I wanted to offer you a two-for-two trade, Carlos De La Cruz and Jalen Ortiz for Jose Quintana and Tommy Pham. Let me know what you think. All right, so Justin and Liz, let's all be Dave Dombrowski here for the moment. His trade suggestion, Carlos De La Cruz, who's having a very good season in AA uh, as as an outfielder for for Redding, really hitting the ball hard. And Jalen Ortiz, who stinks. He's been terrible. He's the guy that they, the, the international free agent that they signed for like $4 million like five years ago when he was 17, who just has not been able to put it together for Jose Quintana and Tommy Pham. 
I think we've already kind of talked about Tommy Pham and our our desire to kind of go in a different direction, and that's kind of still where I am. I would not do this only because I don't I don't really like Tommy Pham a whole lot, and Quintana has been out the whole year. He just came back now uh, and made and made his first start of the season. Uh, a couple of days ago and was fine, you know, was fine. I, I like Jose Quintana. I kind of wanted the Phillies to sign him in the offseason. I don't mind trading Carlos De La Cruz and Jalen Ortiz, but I don't like either. I don't really like that deal. Yeah, I would kind of make that deal and think, why Why am I bothering with this? I don't yeah. feel like yeah. I'm being rewarded in any real way, but I also am not alarmed by what I'm giving up. So why do this trade at all? Um, yeah, and like you said, the, the return there is just a, a, a batter I'm not interested in and a pitcher who's barely played. So yeah, I, I, I would say no. I would not seek that trade out. What do you think, Liz? Uh, strong agree. I just, yeah. no. Like for a guy, I mean, I, I could see why you'd put that together but i don't even know if they would take that for you know like yeah if jaylen ortiz is that bad why is he included he's you're bad. not you're not trading <laughs> you're not trading that guy everyone yeah. stop including terrible terrible players in your trade proposals yeah and the mets are not going to take one decent outfield prospect and one terrible outfield prospect like you're gonna have to throw a pitcher in there <laughs> if you're yep. gonna do that deal nope. like exactly. um so that makes i mean no sense. I, that's that's a that's a deal the Phillies make if like four other trade ideas fall apart. Yeah, Not yeah I think that, that's really. right. Yeah, I don't know. I think if it's a last resort, I think they know they need to get some help. If Tommy Pham's like their only option and that trades out there, then I could see that, Justin. I, I think in that way, I agree because I think they got it. I'll say this about Tommy Pham. I think he's better than nothing. And if all you're giving up is that, right. then... Yeah, yeah, that's I, probably worth doing. I think it's like that's a trade you make when you're not you're prioritizing making a trade more than you're prioritizing addressing your needs. Right. And that's that's that kind of trade. And that's not always the best way to go about it. And Dave Dombrowski, I don't think generally makes trades like that, no. but he's not I, a I think guy you, who makes a trade just because it's out there. Right. But I, I and, and if if really the big problem is Kyle Schwarber's defense out in left field and, and we saw from the game here on Monday night that that's a big problem. Woof. You do have Johan Rojas, who has had a very good game here on, on Monday night and Christian Pache was playing very well. I don't know how good those guys are. And it's kind of shaky to rely on them. You're going to see a lot of Jake Cave if they don't make a trade, which, again, is 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 not great. Um so you you might see Dave Dombrowski make a deal just looking at what he's got and saying, I don't think this is sustainable, but um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, we're going to see here a lot of names uh, come up over the next few days. And I, I kind of hope, like you said, Justin, that maybe there are some names out there uh, that we haven't thought of yet. All right, wrapping things up here, let's really talk, talk really quickly about this Orioles series. The Phillies taking on the best team in the American League. Shockingly, the Baltimore Orioles uh, came into the, the series 61-38, and 38, best record in the American League. They took three out of four from the Rays over the weekend. Um, they have five members of their everyday lineup with an OPS over 800. Uh, it's really incredible what they're, what they've done. Adley Rutschman, the catchers, awesome. Gunnar Henderson, 22 year old third baseman's phenomenal. Uh, left fielder, Austin Hayes, uh, Cedric Mullins is great when he's not on the injured list. Uh, Anthony Santander, uh, is, is a phenomenal right fielder. Their DH Ryan O'Hearn's really good. Um, I don't think the pitching's awesome, but it's the bullpen is phenomenal. Like the starting pitching is their is their weak point. And if Baltimore is going to make a move at the deadline, it's to go get some to go get a starting pitcher. But their bullpen has the highest wins above replacement in baseball. Felix Bautista is a monster. 
I mean, 0.92 ERA on the season with 28 saves. Forget about it. If you if this game's close late, the Phillies are going to have a hard time. They do get Kyle Gibson on Tuesday night. Remember, everybody was talking about how great Kyle Gibson started off the season. Uh, Kyle Gibson, over his last nine starts, 6.02 ERA, mirroring what he did last year with the Phillies. was real mm-hmm. hot, and then in the second half, just, just kind of fell apart. Um, but this is, should be a fun series, Liz. I mean, this is a, a fun, up-and-coming team. Even though you know this this Phillies game on on Monday night has been shaky at times, it's been super entertaining. Like there's been a lot going on. Oh yeah, there's been a lot going on. There's been a lot of screaming and uh, in both agony and excitement, then agony again. Uh, yeah. So the, uh, this game is probably about to end momentarily. So we'll have more on it in a moment. Um, I, I I'm really excited about the rest of this series. Um, I wish I could go and see it, but I'm really distracted by watching the game. I'm sorry. It's very riveting. JT Muto just didn't screw up. He worked a a walk. Everyone, maybe this is the turning point. Well, the Orioles are are great. The Orioles are always uh, pretty fun to watch. It was actually great watching them in the uh, Dodgers series they played recently where they just came out and and put four runs on the board really quickly. And everyone, it was like when everyone saw Knives Out and and felt legally compelled to tweet that it was fun. Everyone in that same moment was just like, wow, the Orioles are fun. And then they gave up a grand slam and lost that game. And then they got shellacked the next day too by the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, it it is possible to beat them, but they have a head full of steam right now and they are a lot of fun to watch and they are not the team you want to be playing when you yourself are trying to turn around or yeah you know, like the, you know who is uh the cleveland guardians they're a good yes. team to beat when you're trying to gain some momentum uh even though like <laughs> their entire lineup is from nfl blitz but yeah they're a fun team to beat the brewers are a fun team to beat but the phillies struggled with them and they're going to struggle with these orioles as they did tonight because they are an, they, they it's it's always great when the orioles are a good team because it means that somebody's in the AL East who isn't immediately detestable just based on who they are. Um, but playing them is uh, is not going to be pleasant, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the Phillies did lose this first game of the of the series, uh, three to two. Um, before we sign off, we we just let's talk real quick about the night Philly Rob had. Uh, as uh, you mentioned just a second ago, um, some some of the stuff that not challenging uh, the Rojas ball in the third inning uh, that um, uh, Aaron Hicks. Uh, Looked like he might not have caught. Uh, you, you look at the lineup that he put together. We talked about that, how this was not a lineup where he was really prioritizing winning. I, I, I guess that's you got to do that every once in a while, but I don't know if you have to do an entire shift change like in hockey uh, for, for a lineup. Maybe you rest like one or two guys. I think he just figured, let's get all the guys rest one night instead of spreading it out over the course of three games. You can make an argument that maybe that gives you a better chance to win the series overall. But it was a pretty non-competitive lineup here uh, in the game on Monday night. Not challenging the Rojas ball in the third just makes no sense. You just make the challenge. Um, He did not hit for Edmundo Sosa with Alec Bohm in the eighth inning. Um, Sosa came to the plate with runners on first and second and nobody out. Now, Sosa did line out to the third baseman. It was a line out double play. But you had Alec Bohm sitting there, who's your best hitter with runners in scoring position. And instead, you let Edmundo Sosa hit. And he hit into a double play. And then in the ninth inning, they had Schwarber on, on base. You could have run Brandon Marsh for Kyle Schwarber in that situation, which would have meant Marsh is in left field or Johan Rojas, but it would probably have been Marsh in left field for that for that uh, game-winning double that the Orioles hit. Just not a great night for Philly Rob uh, here on Monday night. 
a strange night. It's not. If it, it just doesn't even feel like yes, the uh, yes, these are all decisions, but it almost feels like they weren't. It feels like they were just incomplete ideas. You know, like oh, I, 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 I let the guy who shouldn't be in left uh, for, for for defense late in a game still be out there. Oh, oh, I didn't pick up the phone and make the call. It was just like it. It was more absence than poor yeah. strategy, and that's so. St- that's so strange uh, that yeah. all of this stuff piled up in one night. I never think about what questions a manager is going to get asked after a game, after a typical game, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of patterns and, and, and narratives getting drawn. But like after this game, there's questions that need to be answered. Lots of questions. No yeah. one had an answer during the game for why they didn't challenge that call. And, and, and you know, these other follow-ups deserve answers too. So I'm very curious to see what his thought process here. Uh, I don't think you're, we're going to be satisfied by whatever his answers are, but man, I, I just want to at least know why, why these things <laughs> happened yeah. to the way they did, because this was a really bad night for Rob Thompson. Yeah. It did not have to go this way. There were multiple yeah. multiple points where it did not have to go this way. And unfortunately, they they lost. They tried hard. Most of them did at the very end there. That, that's just not yeah. enough, unfortunately. No, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just not enough. You're, you're going to hear a lot about that that uh, Kyle that ball Kyle Schwaber didn't get to. But he did get to it. He went yeah, all out on that. You can't, you that, can't hate, on, hate yeah. on him for his effort on that. But no. he and just shouldn't be out there. Yeah, it's it's exactly. not like he misread an easy fly ball. Like, that's just a play he can't get to. And I don't know that Brandon Marsh makes that catch, actually. You know, as I watched it again, are we sure Marsh makes that diving catch? Of course not, you but know? he obviously has more of a chance. He yeah. has more of a chance. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it. he missed that ball by less than an inch, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. just it went off his glove. It was, yeah, it went off yeah. of his glove. He was that's true. almost there. And like just that little extra oomph that Marsh might have been able to give it, I think could have actually gotten it done, which I mean, and I say that knowing that we'll never know. But when it's that close, you have to imagine that the likely outcome just makes you want to stamp your feet a lot. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's a frustrating game. And again, this is why, Mike Mincinelli, that I have a hard time wrapping my arms around this team with the way they're playing right now. They're very frustrating and they do maddening things that really make it hard for you to say, yeah, I'm on board because, you know, you, you start to get on board. It's like you're trying to get on on. It's like you're trying to jump on a a, a, a moving horse carriage. You know, back in one of those uh, Western films, you know, and and they just, you know, you get on and you're you're you're, and then you get knocked off by by whoever else is trying to keep you from from getting on the stagecoach or that's it's it's a terrible analogy, but all that's right, John, um, John, that, that's all I got. Here's what you do. All right, you, you got it. You get your dog, you know, leash your dog. Meet me and Mike down at the park tomorrow morning. We're gonna do some outdoor yoga. We're gonna mm-hmm. do some. We're gonna do some nice stretches. We're going to hand out some pamphlets uh, about the uh, gyro truck we're going to open together. And uh, you can just be a part of that. And you can just have a calmer, more soothed mind. And it's going to, it's yes. going to lead to a more healthy mindset. You just got just to relax. All right? So I can be condescendingly told to relax. I, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I, I, do, I feel better already, Justin. How with you that in feel mind, is wrong. I can't stress that. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Well, tell me how you feel, Justin, as you uh, as you deliver our final your final thought for the night. Liz, do you know who you share a birthday with? Who I know, I share a birthday with uh, Estelle Getty of the Golden Girls. Nice, ah, close. And Mannequin, the movie. Close. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the clubhouse rat himself, Billy Wagner. <laughs> 
took him over <laughs> favorite. Took him over ten years to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, not till not till two thousand six when he when he was with the Mets. Uh, and Mag at that point when Wagner was on the biggest stage he'd ever play on. What would he do? Well, he allowed seven hits and five earned runs and two and two thirds. Good enough for a sixteen eighty eight ERA in the NLCS. And maybe you'll recall how that series ended with Carlos Beltran watching strike three, a moment Beltran's own team owner would be mocking him about still five years later. So your birthday buddy, Billy Wagner <laughs> would never be back in the league championship series again. After that, he had a quote published on his birthday, which is also your birthday in 2010 when he was with the Braves. And he said, I have one thing to gain in this and that's a world series ring. It seems like everybody else has got one. And I don't. Mm. Well, my birthday Eve gift to, to you, Liz, is telling you that you and Billy Wagner have the same number of World Series rings. <laughs> oh, oh, that beautiful. makes me feel excellent. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Blow out your non-existent World Series candles there, Liz. Yeah. You also share a birth date with Matt LeBlanc, uh, Ileana Douglas, and Walter oh, Payton, just so you know. Um all right, and Liz, your final thoughts, birthday girl. So over the past 10 years, the Phillies have played nine games on my birthday. Anybody want to take a guess at their record? I'm, I'm, nine games? I'm going to say two and seven there, Liz. Yeah, there's at least one win. I know that. I'm going to go one and eight. They are seven and two. On oh, wow. Oh, all right. Win and coming yeah. against Kyle Gibson tomorrow. So we'll see. It's been uh, they didn't play a game on my birthday on uh, in 2019. Uh, my my 30s started with a loss against the St. Louis Cardinals. 2015 was the no hitter against Cole Hamels. I was at that 2013 game. Um, oh, I wow. don't believe I've if I was at any other it would have it was in 2017 the only other time they lost against the Astros because I have not seen them win in person on my birthday in quite a while. But uh, this uh, I, I'm looking forward to what happens tomorrow because they've they've won a lot of games on my birthday in a decade of sucking, and yeah. if I have to sacrifice wins on my birthday for the next ten years to get a little bit of satisfaction in the playoffs, let's mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to make that trade. Well, that's ve- that's very noble of you, but I I don't I don't think. It's a it's a nice birthday present, Phillies, for you to lose to Kyle Gibson on Liz's birthday. Pick I, up I don't the think phone, that... Phillies. Pick up the yeah, phone, Dave. Liz is ready it's... to make a deal. Why aren't you? <laughs> it's a fair question. Fair question for for Davey D. Um, I did not refer to him as the, with the initials like I did before. Remember the I, I've learned my lesson about that. I just call him Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave. That sounds good <laughs> you, to me. There All is right, no look... risk of slipping up there, man. Correct. Correct. I'm, 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 I'm watching myself. Um, all right. Episode 696 in the can. Thanks everybody for, uh, paying attention to this podcast and, uh, um, allowing me in my non-relaxed state, uh, to, to podcast here to you. Want to remind you guys, don't forget the hit and season, Patreon, patreon.com slash hit and season. And of course our partners at WHYY and Billy Penn, make sure to check out billypenn.com each and every day for the best news, Philadelphia. And our landing page there is billypenn.com slash hit and season you can find all of our stuff there uh with regards to the podcast as well thanks guys for tuning in we'll talk to you next time here on hit and season